Bonjour, ici Denis Boudreau. Vous écoutez la balado diffusion WebEx. Welcome to WebEx Practical Web Accessibility Tips. Website accessibility. Web standards. Thank you, Denis Boudreau, for that great opening in French. Welcome to WebAx Podcast 93 Teaching Mistakes. This is your host, Dennis. And I am going without Ross today, but I will have a special guest later. Catherine Lynch will, joins us to have a pleasant conversation. But before that, I wanted to speak about a few things going on with me. Um, I got a new day job. That's been keeping me really busy. So I now work at PayPal in San Jose, and that's all good for the last two and a half months or so. And um, I've done a couple of recent presentations. You may have saw the blog posts on WebAx. Uh, the, the first one was for Easy, an Easy webinar on Twitter and accessibility, um, updated information, talking about accessible Twitter clients. So check that out if you haven't already. I want to give a shout out to Norm Coombs at Easy for doing all that work with the webinars. And the other presentation I gave was uh, through Skype for the Accessibility DC Meetup. And I want to give a shout-out to John Croston for putting on those events. And that presentation is called How to Build an Accessible Web Application Easy Chirp is the example throughout the, the presentation, and you can check out the slides for both of those on SlideShare, and they're also posted on WebAx, like I mentioned. So um, if you feel inclined, please check those out. WebAx. Yeah, like I said, I've been pretty busy lately. We've all been sick here, too, at home, and people are sick at work. So it's it's been a little while since the last podcast, but I've, I've picked a few just articles that are outstanding to me that I thought I could give a, a mention. And one champion, especially of late, on Twitter and the blogging is Carl Groves. And a recent article he put out is called How Expensive is Web Access How Expensive is Accessibility. Uh, another great one recently is presentation f from WebAIM ARIA and HTML5 accessibility. That's from the, the Higher Ground Conference a few weeks ago. And that's definitely a good read. Another person uh, doing a lot of, getting a lot more exposure, doing a lot more articles lately, and, and even on Twitter now, is Roger Johansson. And one of his many recent articles is Screen Readers and CSS. And he did another, another similar article, but pointing out just like um, some nuances, some interesting things going on between uh, different screen readers and in inter interpreting CSS. 
And Sylvia Pfeiffer, she has another new presentation, HTML5 Video Accessibility. All very good articles, and there's many more, but I thought those uh, stood out. And of course, follow WebAx on Twitter and now on Facebook for daily updates. WebAx. So now we will go into a discussion with Catherine Lynch. It was great to finally speak with her. We've been communicating online for like, probably a couple of years now. And uh, here it is. Yeah, just in interview discussion with Catherine Lynch. And I have Catherine Lynch on the line. Hello, Catherine. Hello. Catherine is um, a web accessibility professional. Um, yeah. Can I introduce you as? <laughs> can I introduce <laughs> you as that? I don't know. And uh, I know you are uh, uh, pretty heavy on Drupal. Yes. And Catherine makes presentations around the country and writes articles that you may be familiar with. And you can also find her on Twitter at Kate Lynch. How are you today, Catherine? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Sure. It's nice to have you on the show because we've kind of Twittered back and forth and, you know. We have, uh, yes. And I know we're familiar with each other's work and stuff, so nice to have you on the show. Thank you. And you uh, work for Drexel University in Philadelphia. Is that in Philadelphia? Yeah, yeah that's in Philadelphia. I, I'm the, uh, the the web developer for the for the libraries there. Your website, CatherineLynch.org, if you want to check out some of her presentations and writings. And I noticed you're also an artist. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Some drawing, drawings and photography, etc. Yes, and, and some recipes. I also like to cook. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how many like programmers are, are artists or musicians. Yeah, yeah, it is. Some say writing code is kind of is kind of like art. Yeah, they they definitely go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So presentations. How how long have you been presenting? Looks like there's a pretty good list on your on your site there. Uh, yeah, I've been presenting mostly on web accessibility and uh, Drupal and occasionally Drupal accessibility, probably for about uh, going on three years. Nice. Um, yeah. So are you you mostly within the states? Yeah, mostly within the states. I've had I've had um, I've had some presentations accepted. I've had conference proceedings added in a few places internationally. Um, haven't been able to make it out to uh, any international conferences yet. Yeah, I don't think I have either, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to make it at least to Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you have something coming up pretty soon in... Uh... About a week. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be presenting uh, on using Drupal for responsive accessibility and design at uh, Drupal Camp Chicago 2011, um, next Saturday, December the 10th. Great, great. We'll look forward to that. Yeah. You have lots of articles and everything. Are there, are there any ones that stick out in the past that you want to mention besides the latest one, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute? Well, there's a yes, a presentation that I gave um, earlier earlier in the year at the uh, Drexel e-learning conference, which was actually at Drexel University in Philly. Um, it was the the conference this past year was focused on web accessibility. Um, so they they the uh, the organizers asked for 
uh, proposals for presentations and, and things from people who were interested in speaking on that. And um, uh, one of the presentations that I, I gave that was accepted to give was one about the accessibility issues facing social media integration in e-learning interfaces. And um, the abstract is up on my website, and people can contact me for the slides. But one of the reasons that I'm, I'm mentioning it is uh, I actually talked pretty extensively about uh, your work with the, the accessible Twitter application. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's basically the best uh, accessible tweeting solution out there. Great, thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very it's a very fine app. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's now called Easy Chirp. I think when I gave the presentation, it was still called Accessible Twitter. Okay, yeah, it, it, that's cool. It's just yeah. re, it was just renamed. Uh, yeah, Easy Trip. I remember that, that it did. I it, think in June. Yeah, it was in June yeah. because I did I did all that like right before I went on vacation. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. It's catchy. Thanks. Welcome. And your latest article: uh, Five Teaching Mistakes Accessibility Advocate Advocates Make. Yes. Yeah, it was a real good article. Uh, my, myself and many other people t tweeted it and um, made some good points there, just kind of for a reality check about our our community and um, you know just things to think about in the back of your head and what yeah. you might be doing right or doing wrong and how we can improve uh, you know getting the word out there about accessibility. Yeah, you want to just go through each of the points and sure. just discuss them a little bit. Sure. So um, basically the, the, uh, the inspiration behind this article was um, I, 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 I've been to a number of accessibility meetups or camps uh, and, and I've just, I'm consistently struck by the fact that we, they, they all seem to start the same. Like the first 50% of the day tends to be devoted to explaining what web accessibility is, why it's important. And the mm. thing, we, we, a lot of us seem to be stagnating in certain areas. And um, there are just uh, some things that I noticed that, you know, I, I, I've, and let me be clear, I've done these things too in the past uh, when, I was, when I was first starting to make accessibility presentations or design learning materials for it. It's, it's really easy to do. Um, and the first one that I talk about, point number five, is we assume that others don't know anything. Um, and so this is to say, you know, if, if we say we're giving a presentation about web accessibility, and we spend the entire presentation uh, or the entire article talking about what is web accessibility and who is it for and, and why is it important. And these are things that people can infer probably once they understand exactly what web accessibility is. Uh, an example I give is sort of like if you, you know, imagine if you pick up an article about um, the promises to help you learn about you know, the ins and outs of mobile web development and three quarters of the paper is just uh, devoted to explaining that web development for mobile devices means web development for tiny screens. You know, it's something that we can probably all <laughs> infer. Um, so basically, this this tends to be something that, that just weighs down a lot of presentations that easily the first 40 to 50 percent of it tends to be explaining what web accessibility is selling it as a cause that everyone should get behind, or, or in some cases, some more distressing cases, uh, which I'll, I'll get to a little later, is, um, you know, blaming people for not already knowing about it, um, explaining what, you know, sort of explaining what each, uh, cha the challenges are for each different type of disability, um, types of assistive technology, and then maybe the very basics of web accessibility. By that time, you, you don't have a lot of time left. You might, you might only be able to mention, you know, headers and alt tags. And, yeah. Um, no, I... This is a great point, and I've noticed that 
you know, in other types of presentations too. Yes. As a ma- matter of fact, just a couple of days ago, I went to a, a mobile design meetup, and you know, the first 20 minutes of uh, at least the first 20 minutes of the presentation, um, you know, the guy was just talking about stats and how popular mobile is, and you know how more popular it is now and how much e-commerce people are doing on mobile. And it's like, okay, we all know if mobile is popular. That's why we're here. You exactly, know? exactly. So, and it's, um, it's stuff that doesn't need to be said necessarily because right. you need to consider the audience. So unless your presentation is on an introduction to web accessibility, then yeah. the point is I guess we could lighten that a whole lot. Or maybe you know, at the beginning just ask, you know, how many people here are beginners or how many people know yeah. what what poor means you know yeah exactly and and that's sort of um that that's a technique that i've learned how to use which is sort of you know rather than for the millionth time just launching into my explanation of what is alt text and what's it do for a screen reader i'll ask the audience you know everyone knows what alt text is right and does it you know everyone knows kind of what what it's for quick show of hands and if there's enough people who actually don't know what it is then you can explain it so it's helpful to have these basic explanations you know, in your back pocket in case you need to explain it. Right. Um, and it's also good to check because I did I did give a, a presentation, uh, a mini presentation once during a during a brown bag uh, about web accessibility and um, very quickly realized that nobody in the room even knew what that was. Uh, oh. So it's sort of like explaining to people how to make a sandwich and they don't know what bread is. You have to you have to back <laughs> it up a little bit and explain. Oh, by the way, web accessibility is is for you know users with disabilities and you know it's good to have a couple of one or two sentence explanations to quickly explain this stuff. Um, and that doesn't happen often. I will say that was probably the only time that that's, that's happened where the majority of people in the room just didn't know. And um, to clarify, uh, that was not a presentation to web developers. That was that was a, a different set of uh, mm. different set of people. So it, w- it was it was not surprising, and it was that was sort of my role was to teach them in that case. But you know, just okay. to to bring it back to the main point, that I mean, that is how often that that actually happens. That that's happened once. That that I've been in a place where people actually don't have any idea what it is. And yet, many presentations act as a, like are, are presented as if that happens a lot. If the entire room full of web developers who are attending your web accessibility presentation don't know what you're talking about to begin with. Well, let's move to your next point, which is mm-hmm. uh, we assume that others know too much. Yes. So um, basically, this one goes hand in hand with the first one that um, it can be a little bit difficult to explain more advanced concepts of web accessibility to developers who are not accessibility advocates to begin with. And this is because they're, they, they don't necessarily sit down and read the WCAG 2.0 documents cover to cover. They don't necessarily you know listen to every WebEx podcast, but they should. Um, they don't necessarily... You know, they, they don't necessarily do the level of study that we do, and so while they may know what alt text is and how to use header tags, you may need to stop and explain a little bit better how to do more advanced things, like like uh, sort of explaining how to employ pause, stop, and hide um, for, mm. for moving content. Um, you may need to sort of clarify certain more abstract concepts for, for why you should be able to hide content for, for people who have cognitive disabilities, that sort of thing. And this, if you sort of, it, it's it's sort of, you know, if you teach people why we're employing these techniques, if you teach people to understand what the, what the problems are and why these solutions are in place for those problems, you can start to understand uh, the, or rather they can start to come up with their own solutions and start applying it to work. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I always like to know 
why you need to do something. That way, yeah, it helps you remember in the future if you know why, and then yeah, then it opens doors for you to to do it on your own and exactly and to inno- even innovate a little bit. Exactly. Once you understand the concepts, it's very easy to start thinking for yourself and coming up with techniques that can help even more. Just to elaborate on that point a little sure. bit, um, I have a couple ideas on how to how to slowly, you know, teach other folks accessibility, like with design folks that I've worked with, you know, you could just kind of talk about color contrast or, yeah. um, you know, using using color alone for meaning. Yeah. <clears throat> things like that. Um, then if you got more like the JavaScript programmers, you know, maybe you could, you know, s- just start with uh, maybe ARIA Live or s- yeah. some basic ARIA stuff. Well, some some good um, things to do with uh, with like programming developers, like Java developers, JavaScript developers. Um, that that I've noticed is pretty helpful. Also, is to sort of explain to them the variables that they're going to need to make easily de- deliverable to um, the people who are building the the HTML structure, or people who will be writing, say, you know, I don't know, PHP modules that would be inter- interacting with that, or you know, surfacing things for uh, CSS. Um, sort of an example of this would be. Uh, Within Drupal, uh, and it's it's helpful for people who build modules for Drupal that uh, spit out HTML content to understand certain aspects of web accessibility, so that they can assign classes or IDs to various pieces of HTML, regardless of the fact that they themselves are not writing the styling, they're not writing the style sheets, but making it so that people who are building a theme around these modules can access any part of that so that you know if they need to if there's comfort if there's information in there that's going to clutter a screen reader or possibly break it if it's tagged appropriately they can use css to remove it mm. conditionally if if they need to make something like you said like using color alone they can they can actually change it so that it's correct you know what i mean like if if the module developer decided to only use red you know the color red to signify something but he's got appropriate classes or, or IDs around it, then the person who's styling it to fit their Drupal theme can also make it bold or italicized or whatever they need to do. All right, let's move to number three. We get hung up on the cause of accessibility. Yeah, we, we get hung up on, on one specific cause. Um, and this is something, this is not as pervasive a problem as the first two, but I've noticed that um, many web accessibility advocates will tend to focus on uh, advocating the best user experience for only one or two types of disabilities um, or one or two types of assistive technologies. Um, and this generally is, is a result of the fact that the person who's, who's in, in the place of the advocate is doing so from a personal standpoint. Um, uh, they themselves may use this assistive technology, may, may need it, or perhaps they have more experience with it because they, you know, they, they, work, they work with people who, who need this or perhaps they have uh, family or other loved ones who need it. Um, so they, they tend to be more, more well-versed in this. And it's, it's very good to be, able, you know, to be well-versed in any field of web accessibility. But um, when we take up a position as an educator on web accessibility as a whole, uh, as I mentioned in the article, we, we can't forget about the cause as a whole. And one thing that we need to keep in mind is that if we're talking to a room full of people about about web accessibility who really don't know it if we if we explain what web accessibility is what it does who it's for and then only for instance uh, spend the rest of the presentation really dwelling on problems and solutions for say screen readers that's 
has a, every potential to confuse people who don't mm-hmm. know what we're talking about and think like, okay, well, all I have to really focus on is making sure it's okay in a screen reader. Um, and it's like you know that that's how it how it so happens that we have people who still use text only versions of web pages. <laughs> yeah, I've because heard they that. Think, yeah, they think that that's I've, okay. I've heard that more than a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar with web accessibility? Uh, yeah, isn't that's for blind people, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. Um, so one one solution that I have to this is um, well, there's two there's two that I mentioned in the article. One is um, if you find yourself, you know, if you if you've got a real gift for one area of web accessibility, that's great. Um, consider co-teaching, co-presenting, or co-writing an article with an advocate who has a passion for a different avenue of accessibility, who kind of would be able to work well with you. Um, because not only will you present something more comprehensive, you, you'll probably learn something too. Um, and then the other thing is just also try pointing your your students or the people you present to to comprehensive resources like the WebEx podcast or like WebAIM or uh, Higher Ground or some, things like that. Mm-hmm. Good point. Mm. Thank you. And number two. Number two. I'll Maybe. try not to... Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was going to read it. I was going to say I'll try not to misread it this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we try to convert people who don't need converting. Yeah. This is this is probably the biggest one for me, or, or well, one of the biggest. This is, there's a reason I made this number two is, and, and this goes back to number five actually is, you know, I, I it's it's interesting how often you'll see a presentation at a, an accessibility conference or camp. Or, or just with a room full of accessibility-minded people, and and the majority of the people in the room are there, are, are web accessibility advocates or accessibility-minded, or are interested in learning about accessibility. Um, if they're if they're at your presentation, chances are they're already interested, and yet the first 10, 20 minutes of the presentation, in addition to familiarizing people with web accessibility basics, are are basically uh, you know, explaining you know why everybody should, you know why everybody should uh, should take this into consideration. Why this should matter. You know, a, a lot of people who are at accessibility presentations either have had their have already either had their own personal experience in which they realize that web accessibility matters. Um, f- for me, it was a, a, I saw a uh, a colleague of mine talk about web accessibility a long time ago now, many years ago, and I, I had. I had no idea. I, this is when I first learned about accessibility. And when you first learn what a web accessibility is, that's when you kind of, that's when it matters to you, um, because then you realize who, who this is for. Um, so generally speaking, there are going to be people who, who are already in that place, or there are going to be people who, who don't know what web accessibility is, but other stakeholders, wherever they work or, or whoever they're working with, um, want web accessibility measures in place for the website. And so... It's either a require a new requirement of their of their professional position, or it's mm-hmm. a, or it's a personal interest, or it's a desire to to create a better web based product. And and in any of those cases, these people already think or know that web accessibility is important enough that they need to sit up and pay attention. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's not preach yeah. to our exactly exactly that's that's the whole thing. To we, don't our need, own. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to. You know, you, you don't need to waste time in a presentation saying, "Now this is why it should matter." You should be ready to do that in case somebody raises their hand and says, "Why should we care?" But but chances are that's just not going to happen. Right. Yes. Number one, we yes. blame people for not already knowing. Yes, and this is this kind of ties in with almost everything else on the list, basically. That um, 
there are a lot of web access there are a lot of web developers out there who don't know much about web accessibility or who don't understand it at all. And I believe one of the reasons why web accessibility is still kind of not widely taught, widely accepted, is because it's kind of a daunting subject for people who don't know about it. And this is because if they make a mistake, you know, what tends to happen is they get it, it, it gets aired publicly before somebody contacts them privately for help. Or, or they get sort of, you know, people look at you sideways if you, you know, how could you possibly not know that? Um, and so basically I, I think that there's a, there's a certain amount of uh, fear, you know, around web accessibility for mm-hmm. people who don't know what it is. And again, this also go, goes back to people who are only learning web accessibility, you know, learning about web accessibility measures because they're, uh, because their bosses, you know, realize that they need to do something about web accessibility because of a lawsuit that they read about or because, you know, a, a, a client or, or, you know, a client or user complained, something like that. Mm. But but for whatever reason, the, the people are are interested and it's our duty to teach them rather than, you know, chastise them for not already knowing. Yeah, not be condescending. Yeah, and, and also, um, and it's especially in, in the age of, uh, you know, social media, uh, particularly things like Twitter and Facebook, it's very easy to, if you see a, a problem with a website, uh, an accessibility problem with a website, to just go loudly complain about it on one of those forums. But um, r- rather than asking the developers of that particular site to fix the problem, alerting them to the problem that they may not even know about, and then asking them to fix it. Uh, one thing, for instance, a, a lot of people don't know about, and, and I, uh, I addressed it in the social media presentation that I mentioned earlier, is um, Facebook actually has a web accessibility-specific feedback form that if you see web accessibility problems in their, in their interface on their website, they ask, you know, it's, it's, that's the place where you go and submit the report. And it's got some sort of specially designed information fields just for web accessibility, like, you know, are you using an assistive technology, which one, what version, and that kind of stuff. So, okay. you know, and I, I just wonder how many people use that form versus how many people go on Facebook or Twitter and complain about how inaccessible something is. That's a good point. Yeah. But how many people know about that? I That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> know I mean, that even is there to use. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I think that um, a large portion of why web accessibility measures like that get sort of swept under the rug is because they don't want people to know that there's a possibility that there's something that could be inaccessible, you know? Like, mm. generally speaking, if, if there's an accessibility problem, you run the risk of somebody, rather than asking you politely to change it, of sort of running that up the flagpole and, you know, say, well, I really wish this was more accessible, but I can't use this with, you know, this is not keyboard operable over here, or, oh, the, the, the new HTML output is a, is a mess, and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. You know, it's, it's sort of like I'm, I'm just, there's a, a, we lifted a bit of it out of a, a, a quote out of a, a presentation that I gave on advanced accessibility in Drupal, that um, basically, I mean, the whole gist of this that I'm saying is, if a developer wants or needs to learn about accessibility, and if we take up a position of education in the open source community, then we have a duty to help those who want to learn, particularly when a student is learning something because he or she is afraid not to know, a culture can emerge in which the student is afraid to ask and therefore reveal that it doesn't know. And I'd, I'd really like it if we could make that culture go away, that people aren't afraid to ask. Yeah, and I mean, I could relate to that. I mean, because... You know, any new any new technology you're learning, it's it's it can be intimidating. Yeah. And um, 
And, you know, you don't want to feel stupid by asking questions, but no question is a dumb question, right? That's right, yeah. But I've been learning I've been learning Git lately. Oh, yeah? You know, so it, it's not my favorite tool. No, not me either, <laughs> either but I've, I've, I've learned to use it as well. And there's, uh, at my day job, you know, there's a guy who's like an expert and stuff, and uh, so I asked him some questions, and, and he was real nice and helpful, and, you know, didn't say, what are you, stupid, you know, or <laughs> yeah, don't, exactly. you know, don't you know how to do that? <laughs> or yeah. else, I mean, if he was like that, then, yeah, that would obviously turn me off and make it much more difficult to want or, or to learn it, so. Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, it's the same thing within the Drupal community, actually. I mean, there are, there are people in, in the Drupal community who are, who are sort of tough to approach for, for questions, but then there are, there are just as just many people who are incredibly nice and helpful and sort of are glad that you asked. Uh, uh, Larry Garfield, uh, one of the one of the main one of the, the main Drupal developers, in fact, and um, and John Albin, who's who's another uh, a very very um, very prolific Drupal developer, is also very interested in web accessibility now. Drupal are are both good examples of that. Sort of. Um, it, it, it's good. It's it's good to have people who are who are experts in a field willing to help people who are just starting out, and you know not willing not to take issue with the fact that you don't already know. And and it is difficult and, and frustrating for for some web accessibility advocates, I believe, um, to you know to sort of uh, sort of temper that simply because you know this is stuff that a lot of us try so hard so often to to really. <laughs> people know, and so you know, if you get like the the twentieth person who says, you know, is it okay if I just put you know, picture as my alt text for this image? You know, you get, like, you know, you're liable to to be a little frustrated. Yeah. yeah. But going back to, uh, you know, letting a business know if yeah. you have accessibility issues, there's a there's a good resource on um, the W3C. Um, Web Accessibility Initiative yeah. website for doing that. I mean, ch chances are good that even you can you can uh, even some small websites or or businesses is just just start talking to somebody and say you know you, you know I noticed this problem. Um, if you're in a position to offer to help, um, it, it wouldn't even necessarily be a bad idea to offer to help with that. You know, say like I'm a, I'm a web developer and I could help fix this for you or or something like that. You know, if you you release podcasts, I can you know make some transcripts for you, something like that. Um, and you know, just just sort of give people a chance. And then obviously, you know, if people don't respond, uh, if they if they just you know sort of repeatedly ignore requests uh, for help or offers to help, then then that's something that you know that they're sort of sending you a message. But sort of giving people the benefit of the doubt is helpful. Yeah. You, you reminded me of another point I, I was trying to think of, and that was, uh, but I mean, if somebody asked you, you know, for help, then you know you should be excited about it, or you know, yeah. because I mean, I work with some different teams at my day job, and you know, and a couple of the teams are real good, and they ask for help, and they're all interested, you know, and, and involved, and believe in the cause and everything, and it's all good, but. You know, so it's kind of fun that they come and ask. So some of the teams, you know, aren't yeah. aren't as enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, so if somebody's interested, then uh, 
yeah, you should be excited and yeah. just try to be as patient as possible. Yeah, it's like if somebody, you know, if if a friend of yours is trying to is is trying to learn uh, learn a language that you speak, you know, like if you if you go to if you go to another country and you're trying to learn how to speak that language, um, it's more helpful when when people who do speak that language are are you know nice to you about that and who, who sort of help you help you out if possible and, and you know give you the benefit of the doubt if you say the wrong thing. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Likewise. All right, good luck with your presentation next week. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye-bye. the WebEx podcast and blog at webex.blogspot.com. That's W-E-B-A-X-E dot blogspot.com.